0: Make sure that they are treated well and they're seen as uh, partners uh, with us in patient care and I think you're going to have a, a good success with your
1: interactions with them. Hello and welcome to the show podcast on iCode Media. Today I had a great conversation with my good friend Dr. Kyle Clouty. We discussed Well, shady business tactics, really. We discussed shady business tactics. There's no other way to put it. And the protocols we have in place in our offices to prevent those types of things from impacting our patients, impacting our attention span, and actually allowing us to give our attention to the person that wants our attention in an effective way. So please enjoy our conversation. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, write a review, share it with your friends and support those who support us. I want to discuss the MyDay Toric contact lens for a minute. When I'm reaching for a daily lens for my patients, I need to know that it will be available in parameters that I want and it needs to work. This improves my chair time and my patient satisfaction. The MyDay Toric features the same optical lens design features as the most prescribed monthly replacement Toric lens on the market. MyDay Toric now completely mirrors the BioAffinity Toric's parameter range. To be clear, if you find the parameter in a biofinity Torque, you can find it in a myday toric. This toric lens design is multifaceted to ensure optimal visual acuity, lens stability, fit and comfort. Its uniform horizontal ISO thickness and wide ballast band quickly orient the lens for better performance and simplified fitting. The myday material is CooperVision's softest one-day silicone hydrogel lens. And features aquaform technology combining a unique balance of high oxygen permeability and natural wettability the result is a highly breathable lens that keeps our patients eyes looking clear white and healthy so if you haven't started utilizing myday toric in your practice i'd encourage you to reach out to your cooper vision representative to get started as you know patients with vitreous floaters are often frustrated by their symptoms The challenge as clinicians is to offer solutions for our patients for vitreous floaters that are effective. But more often than not, the options of YAG vitreolysis and vitrectomy are not practical because the benefits don't outweigh the risks. That's where vitreous health from MacuHealth comes into play. Previously on the podcast, I've discussed the FLIES study with Dr. John Nolan. And the bottom line is that I can be confident prescribing this for my patients with floaters because I can tell them, a large randomized placebo-controlled trial found that after six months of supplementation with vitreous health, floaters were reduced in size by approximately 30%, and 70% of patients had an improvement in their symptoms. Vitreous health has been great for my patients, and we really feel like we have a viable option to treat patients with vitreous floaters now that we didn't have before. If you're not utilizing vitreous health for your patients, reach out to your Macula health representative now. Well, thanks cal for coming on today i i asked you to come on because i wanted to react to you this this came out um you know i had had you and i have discussed this a number of times and i've had kind of these instances over the last few months now almost yeah about two months that really were kind of jarring to me um, related to um, specifically pharmaceutical reps uh, and i'll say a pharmaceutical rep in my practice with really kind of a shady business tactic. And I had totally put it to bed. I had met with other people within the company to kind of talk about just in general. Like I wasn't trying to rat this person out. I was just saying, this is just not acceptable. And I hope this isn't the business practice of of what occurs all over the place. But I'll talk about that in a second. But then I I had put it to bed. I I had walked away. It was about a month uh, had gone by. And then I get this tip from Envision Magazine who I've asked to come on to comment about this, and they have not commented yet, but I'm gonna read you this specific tip that was in my inbox, my email inbox. And it specifically says, can't get past the receptionist to the person you want to talk to? Call again and ask for accounts receivables department. Why? No company will turn away a caller potentially looking to pay a bill. How? Once you get someone on the line Say there appears to be a mix-up, and ask for a person you really want to talk to. There's a good chance they can dial you straight through. And so then uh, I'm going to wow. leave the name of the source off. Uh, <clears throat> they uh, when I when I reached out to them, um, they said that this this uh, person didn't contribute anymore, but that it was an old trip, that old tip that they had put out. Mm. In any case, I think it just helps. You know, so I thought, whoa. Is like who's getting? Then it, it sort of triggered my you know my recollection of what yeah, had in happened in my office with a yeah, and so then I'm like, did, is this just how people are trained? Like is this is this just sales tactics that happen? So uh, it's so a good, it's a good question. I, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, it's a good question. I mean. Uh, I haven't had,
0: you know, you can, you, you're going to share your example, uh, <clears throat> a specific instance in your practice where you had a, a rep come in in a little bit, but you know, I don't, um, I guess I should say, uh, I know my reps well. I like them all as people, and so I want to put that aside. Like we're not like anti-reps or anything like that. But totally, yeah. Uh, the great, the grand, you know, in the grand scheme of things, we have a business to run, and it is, you know, to our benefit to focus on patient care uh, every single day that we're uh, in the office. And so that just seems. I haven't had like real, uh, you know, I guess obtrusive or uh, events like like what you're talking about or people calling my AR person or my claims processing person to try to get a hold of me or anything. like that. I, I don't think they've never told me that, but that's just that seems really shady and I don't really care for that advice to be out there at all, you know.
1: Yeah. So I think, I think, you know, without going into details and kind of rehashing the old story, I mean, ultimately what happened was a new pharmaceutical rep came into our office unscheduled and asked to speak with me. And when they were told that I was with patients and that typically we schedule reps to, so that, I mean, we'll talk about why in a second, but that, um, that uh, that's how we typically manage it. And then this person asked for where the restroom was and made their way back into the clinic area. And I'll, I'll say I, they ambushed me in between patients. Mm. And typically I have if I'm not out there, I'll have my scribe who kind of sits at the, the technician spot um, and, and kind of waits for me to come in and out of, of rooms. And she just wasn't there that day. It just happened to be that she wasn't there that day to kind of guard the space, so to speak. Yeah. And it was it was the most. I'll tell you what. What it was really interesting to me about it was this has never happened to me before, and the mm-hmm. reason it hasn't happened to me before is because we have really pretty rigorous um, standards in place in our practice, so that we're not we're being primarily focused on patient you know, uh, access to patients information or patients in general. And so putting a, a rep in that place was not the place for them to be. And it was just, it was like, Oh, hello. You know? And, and so, um, so, and, and then I started reflecting on why I felt uncomfortable. And I think it was because I hadn't been in this position where we've got patients getting chaired, like they're getting uh, worked up with doors open the entire conversation that was happening was happening in front of those patients theoretically I have no idea what those patients heard or what they didn't hear and then uh, you know as the as the rep is leaving they're asking for or they're telling how much the medication is with a coupon card where the patient can go to get it it, I, it it's all over the place and I can I can prescribe it right now um, to almost every patient in my practice. And I'm just thinking, I That's I can't focus on. Yeah. I can't focus <laughs> on anything that you want to tell me right now, because I'm so concerned about what this patient in the exam room is feeling. And I can't give you my attention to ask good questions. You're, I mean, forget the fact that you, that you got back and got achieved what you wanted to achieve. Um, So I thought it would be good to think about, like, how do we manage these situations so that we do have, because I'll say, like you said, you know, 99.9% of the interactions I have with our pharmaceutical reps are are wonderful, but they all sort of understand what we, why we do these things internally. Maybe they don't understand them explicitly, but they understand we have a process in our practice and, and the reason we do it behind in my practice the reason i do it this way is one to protect patient information uh and to protect that that doctor patient relationship so it's not getting confused with some other sort of like pharmaceutical company relationship let alone the fact that like pharma companies for the last five years have been 10 years have been super under under heat with you know shows like dope heavily scrutinized yep yeah heavily scrutinized And, and two, uh, secondarily to the patient, um, protection is I want to be able to give that, that, uh, representative time so I can listen to what they have to say. So I can analyze what they have to say and maybe give them good, you know, ask good questions so I can see how it might impact my patient care. And then, um, and then three, I need to be in the right headspace, right? Like, like and right. they, and then if I'm not in the right headspace, they're going to get zero value out of it. Not, I mean, most of the time it's not going to be negative value. This rep uh, clearly and this company got way negative value in my mind. Um, and that's going to be very hard to overcome. But, uh, but number three is they don't get any value out of that. Like, it's just right. not, it's just not a zero value proposition. So what are the kind of things you do in, in your practice, Kyle, to help prevent that?
0: Yeah, great question. I think it's pretty similar to what you do as well. You know, I'll have to say, like, it really, for me, it it has depended upon where my practice is, too. If my plan or my protocol right now for handling rep interactions is different now versus, excuse me, about four years ago when we were, you know, seeing 15 to 18 patients a week when we were just starting out, right? So mm. at, that, at that time, you know, I'm, I'm really big, and I know you are too, big on culture, big on like a, a leading in a way, like showing your staff how you're going to treat people no matter who comes into the office. So at that time, uh, I, would, I would have time to, because I'm seeing 15, 18 patients a week when we started out, uh, I would have time to come out and meet every single rep up in, in the front uh, desk area. And I would talk to them, give them you know the three to five minutes if they want, uh, which I think in specifically I've heard like they're after about two minutes or more, right? Anything under hmm. two minutes, I think they're probably not going to, I think is what the kind of the sales tactics. I could be wrong. It might be 90 seconds or something like that. But, you know, they want to be face to face. That's what they're there for. They want face to face. Uh, with you uh, because, and they want to establish and build that relationship with you, which is good. We want that too, uh, because at the end of the day, they, they want to them to, you know, they want you to prescribe their medication. But like I said, at first I was doing that, but then as we've gotten more busy, you know, our protocol is different now. Our protocol is a, a rep comes in, uh, if they come in unannounced, which I don't really care for uh, anymore, we try to have everybody scheduled to come in. But if they come in unannounced, it's the same sort of a, uh, of a discussion from my front desk uh, person. And she basically just says, hey, thanks for coming in. And we, you know, we're a practice, I, we have them say this, we're, we're a practice that loves new information. We like all this you know, new technology and we love to implement that. Um, but you know, Dr. Clutie's time is, is really precious between his two locations now, and he learns best by reading. So if you could just drop off your materials and then here's his email and I give him my email, here's his email. Mm. Uh, he loves to read journal articles, send him some journal articles about your product. And honestly, that to me, and that's not just like something that uh, we're trying to mitigate. It is to mitigate my time or to help me, uh, uh, kind of guard that time. But also, like I, I'm not going to prescribe something. I'm kind of cynical by nature, I'll be honest <laughs> with you. So uh, if somebody, if a rep is talking to me about something, I mean, I'm not, my eyes are going to glaze over within, you know, 60 seconds because of the random stuff that they're talking about. And, you know, the, the, the press release type information really never really uh, doesn't move the needle for me when I'm making decisions really. I I have to go back and read the information myself. I need to read a journal article or the FDA trial article on it to really help myself understand uh where that, you know, medication is going to be best positioned. So that's what's helped me. Uh, I don't know mm-hmm. if that's similar to your kind of protocol, but what is yours?
1: Yeah, I I well, yeah, I mean we we have we do the same thing. So typically the the reps that we know well, we um, you know, we've, we have great relationships with them. And then as new reps come in, you're almost having to train them about what those things are again, so that you can get good information, and how you prefer information. Typically I, I'm like you, I can, I can sit and listen for a little bit of time, but I don't want an advertisement. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't want to, well, um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, uh, and and I, and sometimes it'll feel, if it feels, um, Phony, you'll you'll hear about. So again, you asked me for my process. Yes, we schedule them. Will uh, I'll schedule to meet with them so that they have my undivided attention for five to fifteen minutes, depending on what rep it is and what the information is they're talking about and how new it is. And then, um, and then after that, uh, so they just never get back, and I and it's never in between patients. And and part of that is because I'm when I'm in clinic, I'm in clinic. You know, right? And um, and so. Exactly. And so, um, I can't, I, it's just hard for me to switch and, and assimilate. And, and they don't understand that necessarily. Like they don't understand that w- when you come in and, and just verbally just give me an advertisement, um, it might, it, it might do the trick because it might trigger something in, in the back of my mind that says something maybe that I'm thinking about, but it's not really going to be uh, hugely ad- advantageous and to me. Yeah. So it's like, I would agree. I, I don't, don't want to, I don't
0: think, yeah, sorry to interrupt. I don't think I've ever, I can't remember one thing. Cause I've been in a ton of interactions, you know, in my 10 years of practice, I've been in a ton of interactions like that. And I can't remember one piece of like information, advertisement, one little treatment nugget stick in those moments because my mind is somewhere else. I'm always thinking, what do I need to be doing next? What patient do I need to be seeing next? And it's, it's never a good moment for, for me or for them, you know? So it's not advantageous for them as well.
1: Yeah, exactly right. And so, so, I, but I can, I will, I don't mind listening because I actually will pick up some things listening that, that I'm mm. kind of like, well, that's interesting. Then I want to know, like you, I want to know more about it. Okay, so uh, so you say that 90% of patients, blah, 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 blah. Awesome. Can you share that data with me? And then I want to mm. dive into it, not because I don't trust them. I just want to... I want to think about like, how does this apply to the clinical care I'm giving? Uh, And uh, it lets me kind of um, deepen that thought process and then think about the patients that this will apply to. And that just becomes more helpful.
0: What do you, um, so do you actually have, so say, you know, new pharmaceutical comes out, new dry eye drop, you know, add it to the list of many, but... We have a new rep Mm. in town. Are you putting them on your clinic schedule for that? Are you blocking off like 15 minutes of that with your clinic schedule?
1: We used to, we used to, well, actually what it would be, would be like morning. So I wouldn't block off patients. It would be like, well, we've got a slot right before Dr. Wolf starts clinic or maybe in between, you know, in between a couple patients, I can, we can put that person there and I can pop out and kind of get my mind where I want it and then, and come in and out. But because, Um, because that has led to more of these kinds of things, it becomes more difficult, uh, just more of my, my attention, as I've gotten busier, my attention, it's hard for me to switch attention spans. And so what we do is, is we just like, we'll, we'll schedule usually a time in between morning and afternoon patients uh that that I'll that I can kind of recompartmentalize but now Kyle is I've talked to you about my my schedule is I see patients from 7:45 straight on through uh until 4:30 uh in the days I'm in clinic and so I do have a slight break but literally that break is to sign the charts I wasn't able to sign in the morning get something quick to eat it, and and I'm pretty much back uh back on so now it's it 's it's, uh, more so on on my associate uh, to meet when, when it's waits for her schedule and then if it 's something that she wants my you know my opinion about or, or it 's something that she 's like you should check this out then then I will but we 've kind of pushed it to to the associate first
0: what about uh, what about contact lens reps? How do you see them differently than uh, pharmaceutical reps or do you because I know I kind of do uh,
1: yeah i do i, I think i think there 's a couple things related to that I think the first one is that um that we're purchasing we're making purchases in our practice for a thing right so um so a lot of times I'm purchasing you know lenses from them and okay. so understanding the metrics of what that might do to uh, like if I'm going to bring in a bank or a bulk. Um, then there's other business discussions that go on related to that and it and a lot of like okay historically what what have we done like i can run those numbers really quickly but hey we've got this offer that we can bring in you know this lens it makes a lot of sense because you're you're using those okay well that's a this is a deeper discussion it's sort of a different discussion in a lot of cases um once we have gotten beyond the discussion of like is this clinically equivalent or is this appropriate for specific patients then it's the business discussion. That business discussion doesn't really happen within a pharmaceutical company or a pharmaceutical rep and they're not comfortable right. having it, really. Right. Yeah, that's yeah, a good what about
0: point? you? I I kind of see it the same way. That's more of, a, hey, let's get it on the schedule and and we set those up, you know, you probably do the same thing quarterly. And I I think it's different also just because, you know, for us uh, as a vision source practice you or two but you know, we, we try to deal with one, two to two companies, uh, pretty exclusively. And there are, we see those as partners and there are, you know, vendors, like you said, uh, and, you know, and lens vendors as well for, um, uh, you know, optical lenses as well, or ophthalmic lenses. We're going to set those up, but yeah, I do see that differently. And they've, they're at a place where we have those set up on a quarterly basis and maybe we'll right. have lunch or something like that uh, with them. But, yeah, I, I guess I where where I'm coming at with this, with the pharmaceutical side too, is that I have probably, you know, I kind of explained my protocol a little bit before, but uh, I kind of like your, uh, I, I've kind of swung the pen from one side to the other with the pendulum. Like I'm meeting with everybody and now I'm meeting with nobody. Uh, so I kind of like your plan there of potentially integrating that, you know, a 15 minute slot or a 10 minute slot or something like that. But then again, you got to think about you know, when I, when I think about my schedule and I know we, we talk to uh, a lot of, you know, other doctors about this, whether it's through our protocols that we create or through the total patient care model is thinking about revenue per OD hour, right? So you got to be thinking about, even if it's five minutes, even if it's 10 minutes, you know, if you're, uh, you know, to make the math easy, if you're at uh, $600, you know, revenue per OD hour, uh, you know, that five minutes is, what is it? 50 bucks. Yeah. Uh, are they going to bring $50 of value in that moment? You know, that's a, that's one, uh, uh, exam from one, you know, VCP. So you just have to think about how, uh, you can manage that time and is it, is it worth it and they have to understand that as well. Like if they are getting on your schedule and it, especially if it's taking over patient time or even your time, yeah. you know, that's just precious. You gotta, you gotta guard those minutes.
1: The most common questions I get include what ophthalmological codes or evaluation and management codes should I use? What ICD-10 codes do I need to bill with this CPT code? What CPT codes can be billed together and what can't? And my favorite... How do I manage a patient who has diabetes who comes in for a quote unquote routine eye exam? These questions really highlight the confusion and uncertainty that serves as a daunting hurdle for providers, makes it more challenging for them to care for their patients and provide those patients with the best opportunity for a lifetime of ocular health and clear vision. That's why we built iCode Education for this specific purpose. Our mission is to provide optometrists with resources to help you understand disease states, revenue cycles, and billing and coding so that you can put that on autopilot and truly care for your patients. Check out icodeeducation.com. That's E-Y-E-C-O-D-E education.com. We've developed a premier billing and coding bundle that includes all of our billing and coding resources in one place. We also have a 10% discount code just for listeners of this podcast. Enter the coupon code E-Y-E-C-O-D-E-M-E-D-I-A-22 at checkout. We'd love to work with you. Check out icodeeducation.com. It's, so I just had a, a conversation with um, Dr. Jesus Martinez, and and we had a little bit of discussion about the value of our services. And, and really, it seems kind of brash to talk about like, uh, well, are you going to provide $50 of value for me? But it's, but it's, it's true. Like, um, I had somebody, I can't remember who it was, but, um, but they were, they actually did that. Like the front desk staff would say this block of time costs Dr. So-and-so this much money. Now my job is to see if, if you, what you are talking about adds that much value. I mean, mm-hmm. they were blunt about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't think I don't I'd know. have the
0: guts to do that, but that's, no. but I, I love that. You know, I, it's, it's a, it's just recognizing the value of your time. And of course, like I said, we talk about that a lot, but you, you have to, I think the average, you know, revenue per OD hour is 400. So if you, you know, it's going to be less than $50 for five minutes, it's going to be probably 75, 60 to $75 for 10 minutes. But a lot of times those conversations can last 10 to 15 minutes and then that goes by and. You know, that that could have been one patient that you saw or that could have been, if you're an owner, one thing that you've accomplished on your list of many things you're doing that day. So, but yeah, I I think the protocol is uh, really what we're talking about is just being intentional, as we always do, like have a plan, uh, train your staff and really like make sure that they. Like I said before, I I tend to be a little bit cynical towards towards new and flashy stuff and, and sales reps, but make sure that they are treated well and they're seen as uh, partners uh, with us in patient care. And I think you're going to have a, a good success with your interactions with them.
1: Well, yeah, I agree. And I, I think, um, yeah, you absolutely want to tr- treat them well. And I think also what I've seen, I've been around long enough to see that one rep from one company will be the rep for the next company right away, you know, in, in six months. And so I don't want to mistreat them. Like they should also not want to do these things, but I don't want to mistreat them. Um, and and then they're, they're a rep for a company I've always liked a lot. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, you know, so I, I don't, I don't ever want to mistreat people. And this specific rep was very, I was very kind to, and nice to, and, and my, my whole intention afterwards was like, i don 't want to get this person in trouble like that was that 's what I led with i 'm not trying to get somebody in trouble mm-hmm. and, the, and the company did um, they they said well well they 're not going to get in trouble, um, but we 're going to use it as a teachable moment and I think the company really when they when um, when I reached out to them about it uh, because i 've had communication with that company for other things as well is they they took it to heart they they, they did what what I would hope we would do as a practice. If, um, if I gave a patient an unpleasant experience, is to try to gain more understanding, see where we can fix things, see if there was something systematic in our processes that were off putting to that patient. Um, and if not, like if, if it was, cause it could be me, like the reality is like this situation could be my interpretation of it. Like I could be missing it. I don't think I am, but I I could be. Um, but, but. Uh, I would want to know that as a, as a business owner. And I think they did a very good job of listening, uh, apologizing, but not, uh, and, and also not normalizing, you know, Uh, normalizing this behavior, which, which I, so I think they handled it really well. I just think that this other article that popped up and actually, and this comes to the next point about how you treat people. There was, um, we had a patient a couple years ago who uh, was just nasty, just, Nasty to our staff, just nasty to them, and uh, and and she wound up leaving. I mean, we we took. I mean, it wasn't about clinical care at all. It was just about, um, it was about bills or something. It It was about you know uh, having to pay for something that uh, went to her deductible and pay for her diabetic exam
0: went. Diabetic exam exactly. went to, went to medical, not, not. Yeah, I can't remember exactly what it was, <laughs> but uh, yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. Um, and so, uh, which is by the way, what their vs what the managed vision care handbook said You're to do, right. um, <laughs> but that's not what they told the patient or what the patient heard from them. But anyway uh, the, and so she, so she to believe in, and we're kind of like, thank, thank the Lord she left because she was, um, She was just not, like, in all interactions, it was just never, never an easy interaction. Not just with that, Mm -hmm. but with everything. And then, and then, you know, I get a letter about a year and a half later that, uh, you know, just uh, out of the blue, thank you so much, Dr. Wolf, for taking such good care of me, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, wow, that was really nice of her. You know, like, she's still not getting back on the schedule, but. It was really nice of her. You know, she, we transitioned, she already requested her records to go someplace else. We're like, you've already got, you know, and then maybe a month later, I get a notification that she was now a pharmaceutical rep for a company that was, uh, (laughs) that, um, you know, and so then it was like, oh, wow. Amazing. So that I, I think about that. I mean, I think about it all the time. It's like, I try not to burn any bridges. I'm sure I said, talk a lot, but you never know. So I don't think I've disclosed anything about this specific company or the specific person. I don't even think I've disclosed gender. I was trying not to do, which is good. So, yeah. Yeah. So Kyle, you know, one of the things that, that you and I have talked a lot about is this need for understanding evidence and also, um, you know, we I've had some people on the podcast before. that take a really, really hard line. Like it is no, you are if you're a pharmaceutical rec, you're never coming into the practice. I don't want to know yeah. anything about you. Um, but but you and I have discussed that a lot about it, it. Should that be our our mechanism? And we sort of both agree that no, we we need them. They do a lot. They do a lot of good things for for patients. Um, but we have to put these these things in place. And part of that is understanding the evidence and kind of learning a lot. And so, um, so you're going to launch a new podcast. Uh, tell us about yeah. it. Yeah,
0: yeah, great. No, I agree. Um, yeah, we're, I'm excited for it. Probably start next uh, 2024. We're going to call it uh, 2020 Habits, and really, it. Uh, if you've seen any one of my lectures in the last year, I have included a couple quotes from a favorite book of mine called Atomic Habits. And a couple great quotes from James Clear, the author, is really what we're going to base the podcast around. Uh, Number one is that uh, our uh, beliefs underlie our actions and our actions reinforce our beliefs. So the reason why that's such a great quote is because when we create protocols or when we try to create new habits or actions in our practice, we get so focused in on the the actual, like the practical nature of those actions, right? And oftentimes we fail. We go to a CE event and we learn some new, you know, protocol and we try to enforce it in our practice, but we often, you know, sometimes we're successful, but most times we sputter after several weeks of trying to implement that. Well, that key insight that the belief is what actually underlies that action is super helpful because... If we can start with the belief first and know what or know like what that action, what type of belief underlies that action and really emphasize that belief in our life, like, you know, for glaucoma, believing that we are the best trained, best equipped uh, providers, period, to provide glaucoma management, we're going to easily implement new glaucoma protocols in our practice, right? So those are the types of things we'll talk about. Another quote that I love uh, is that uh, from that book, Atomic Habits. Is that we don't, people don't rise up to, their, to the level of their goals, people fall to the level of their systems. And so, so I'll just repeat that we, people don't rise to the level of their goals, but we all fall to the level, level of our systems. So, you know, those two quotes kind of go hand in hand in that if we create good protocols and systems and create good habits in our practice, those are the things that are actually gonna like create momentum and, and push us forward. Uh, in the long run. Mm -hmm. And then also Mm -hmm. reinforcing the beliefs around uh, those, uh, you know, those habits and practices is what are going to, you know, create really good sustainable practices in the future. So, you know, you were talking about evidence-based medicine and, and a lot of the, uh, my, the, the the way that I create practical, you know, protocols and clinical protocols in my practices, I read a lot of the evidence-based medicine and that, Phrase can get thrown around uh, a lot and it can be uh, misunderstood quite a bit, but really what it means is it's the combination of the, you know, the randomized clinical trial. It's a combination of really the best research out there. It's a combination of our clinical expertise, you know, the things that we we can theoretically put together. And it's also a combination of that uh, experience that we've had in the past. And then when you filter that through the patient experience, that's what evidence-based medicine is. So uh, we'll have a lot of discussions uh, on how that, you know, that package kind of filters through uh, eye care and try to have a lot of speakers uh, with us and uh, to kind of unpack, you know, what, what are their daily habits, what are their clinical habits, and hopefully provide value to other optometrists. So I'm super excited for it. It should be a fun process.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to see where it goes. Well, thanks for coming on and chatting about this. I appreciate it. I look forward to your your upcoming podcast and and, uh, thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you so much. You're welcome.